first off, thank you for putting some time aside to chat to the FBC Paris. And also thank you for writing such a positive and joyful memoir with my past is a foreign country. Um, it was a thank real... Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having such, me here. Oh my gosh, it was such mm -hmm. a pleasure to read. Um, I wanted to start with something around the idea of memories because you say on the very first page of the book, mm -hmm. um, memories are precarious by nature. Yeah. So I wondered because of this precariousness and also because of the kind of personal aspect to our memories, when you were writing and editing uh, my past as a foreign country, did you give yourself absolute freedom in regards to the memories that you put in the book? Or did you find that there were some things that you were like, oh, I don't think everybody needs to know about this? Or mm. maybe I should tone this down. Does that make sense? Yes, I cool. think that's a really good question. And that oh. was something that I was asking myself every day that I was writing this book. Wow. It was very important, yeah, definitely. So memories I find are very precarious and it's mm. very difficult to be 100% sure that this is exactly how things happened. Even mm. just the act of remembering something, I feel changes the memory. Yeah. I feel like it's very fickle and every time we revisit a memory, it changes. And I found that was happening quite a lot while I was writing because I had to keep going back to that memory to write and rewrite and edit. Mm. And every time I felt like I was seeing things differently. So it was a very interesting challenge to have while writing a memoir and being aware of it. Because I feel like maybe it's not a question that a lot of people pay too much attention to once they've decided what kind of memoir they want to write. Yeah. Whereas I felt that, it was some, that was an important aspect of my memory and my life, the way I choose to live and the kind of writing that I want to put out there it was very important to me to not say or write things that I could not get behind 100% of course so I think to get around that was to then be open to the idea that I could be misremembering something and then I think the only way to get around that again was to stick to what I knew for sure and what I knew for sure was how these things made me feel. I feel like the f the emotions around memories won't lie because those are emotions that we experience and that's something that can't be fabricated or misremembered even if the words and the time of day or when in your life things happened can be, I don't know, sometimes fickle. But the feelings are not, I think. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's It's true what you say about us being able to remember things from, from an emotional, like have emotional recall. Yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose that's a really interesting way of writing a memoir. And it's not something I'd necessarily thought of, thought of before, mm -hmm. but it was just, yeah, when I saw this quote, you know, memories are precarious by nature, it really illuminated things for me. So it was very yeah, interesting. Definitely. It must have been an interesting process, I think. It was, yeah. I I wrote, I think, for me, a lot of people ask me how I feel after having written it and what it feels like to have a book out there. And it's very gratifying. But mm -hmm. I think what the book has given me, other than making me an author and taking me to all these different 
places and meeting amazing people at literature festivals and things i think it's just been a feeling of freedom i'm free from my memories mm. now i'm not holding on to them and they're not haunting me anymore because mm. you don't get a chance i don't think or i didn't in my life to spend so much time with memories that hurt you and haunt you and traumatize mm. you you just keep on carrying it and the act of writing and rewriting and editing and just having to confront these emotions again and again and again i think to that power away from them mm. and also just made me feel i'm free they don't they don't dictate me anymore they don't carry like i'm not carrying the burden of these memories and they don't dictate the way i live my life there's no vengefulness and there's no pain there's no insecurities because of the things that have happened wow so quite a cathartic process yes yes, yes. yeah really kind of uh, facing those demons and yes you know being able to exercise them kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. I feel the writing made me realize that there's a different way to live Mm. to be more confrontational of all your insecurities and your fears which was just something that I'd heard about but I'd never experienced or I didn't know how to do that Mm. but I feel like now I know how to do that and that is through writing part of writing the book was reclaiming that word and then also to realize that it was there all along i always had the voice i just didn't i i didn't realize that i didn't need permission yeah because i have to say as a reader mm-hmm. of your memoir you came across there were so many times that i found myself thinking goodness zeba is so self-aware like a level of self-awareness that took me (laughs) several years in therapy to achieve so I have to say that was it yeah as a reader you came you come across as incredibly self-aware and that's just that's very very impressive I think especially given your upbringing um and that tricky business of your faith being kind of misinterpreted by patriarchal elements as a way to silence you know either young people um or women you know on 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 a lot of subjects so I think it just makes it even more powerful that you find your voice thank you and I feel I think I found my voice because I was self-aware I found Mm. a way out because I wanted to find a way out consciously I feel like that you know when you have bad experiences this I don't want to come across as victim blaming or Mm. as blaming the circumstances but I feel like there are some situations not horrid situations that are completely out of our control but our normal day-to-day situations Mm. and exchanges with people that you have I think there we have we don't have time to make that choice to be empathetic or to be open or to be vulnerable because we're just so busy in our lives mm-hmm. and i think taking a taking a step back to write the things that i was experiencing since i was a teenager i think i started writing when i was around 13 or 14 mm, okay that act of recalling things that have happened in the day and just asking myself why did I say that why did I act like that why did I behave in a way that I'm not proud of anymore and that was the same person that was me just Mm. this morning I think that that really helped that 
there was always a part of me that wanted to know why we behave the way we do and i think that came from faith that came from having faith or growing up in a country um that was really big on faith a mm. country that prided itself to be 100% muslim like saudi arabia does or did at that time at least mm. and that was very interesting because there's so much emphasis on intention and i got really obsessed i think about oh what is this intention and what are my intentions yeah 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 so quite a lot of self analysis which i think in the long run it has has you know helped you massively be able to write this fantastic memoir and be 110% sure of who you are and where you fit into everything not where you fit into everything but how mm. where you want to be yes definitely just taking control of yeah where i want to be choosing the places yeah. that i want to be and the labels i want to wear and the labels i want to discard i think definitely it was just the whole idea of how and i feel like this is all over the world but especially in my community in my culture from a muslim south asian point of view the patriarchal society that i grew up in i felt like there was a lot of a lot of people were benefiting from my insecurities yeah you you mentioned something that makes a lot of sense because there were a couple of quotes in the book um one of which i've got right in front of me so mm. um beauty is an essential tool for women within the patriarchy but there was but that's more to do with your hair loss which we'll talk about in a, a little bit later but mm. there's one that you it's at the beginning as well and i think it's in relation to your mother and you something along the lines of isn't it funny that the, those oppressed are always the ones doing the oppressing themselves yes. because that's how they've been kind of slotted into the system Yeah, you're you're forced to play a role. Mm. And that's it. You don't know how to not play your yeah. role because everyone's expecting you to be a certain way. And that's a huge pressure, mm. I think, to step out of your script because then you don't know how others are going to react and it's a very strange situation to be in and very scary. Yeah, definitely. And I think you did it in every aspect of your life Zeba I feel you know whether it was in regards to demanding um a higher education and going to study elsewhere um whether it was kind of discovering feminism and mm. um figuring out your feminism on your own terms and how that aligns with your religion your heritage your whole identity and again in terms of beauty shackles like how you handled um your hair loss something you know deeply stressful deeply uh, traumatic and that was made even more so because you could see how much it upset your mother as well yes yeah so i feel like in every regard you kind of stepped outside the norms you stepped outside of the expectations and you said no i would like this Yeah, thank you. Bravo. Yes. Like, yeah. I was just so impressed. I was like, thank go Zeba, go Zeba. <laughs> thank you. I feel like a lot of that was possible because of the parents I mm. have. I came f- from a very strict community, but my parents were always different and I think you can tell from the things I was I had to fight for mm. what I wanted. I had to be very vocal and I had to make it very clear. But every time I did that, they let me be. So I had lots of 
other people around me, the same background as me, same community, same culture, same schools, uh, parents are friends, uh, and we spent lots of weekends together. And they also wanted similar things mm. in life, and they also stood up for themselves. But they just did not get the chances that I did. Mm. So in a very weird way, because it, it feels so wrong to say that so much of our, our freedom um, in my community was reliant on parents, but mm. they did have that control. And my parents never made me feel like they would stop me. That yeah. gave me the courage to, to keep speaking up for myself. And I think in their own ways, they were also trying to advocate for me, but they were not as vocal I think mm. or they were not I, I feel like they were trying in their own quiet way so when I traveled to Germany uh, uh, the first time in Europe on my own my father he was not happy about it mm. and he was there was a lot of pressure from his peers asking him why he's letting his daughter go and it would be the worst decision he's making and he's going to regret it and that I'm going to just bring dishonor to the family and mm. the community if he lets me do that. And I think that was a very difficult choice that he had to make as well, to have to constantly listen to that and worry for me and also not want to take that freedom away from me. And that opportunity of me getting a scholarship to study in Germany, he, he could see that that was important. And my mother could as well. And I think that's what my, I think that's why my story stands out. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. definitely because you share a couple of um, there's kind of these you know whilst you're going off and and doing your thing and discovering the world and and getting these opportunities, which as you say were partly because of your parents' attitude yeah. as well, mm -hmm. um, you could see the completely different trajectory of of your friends. Uh, the, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the, especially the women that you you went to school with, the girls who became women that you went to school with. One thing yes, that sticks yeah. in my mind is your friend who wanted to go and study in Canada, and she saved because her parents said. Uh, I hope I remember yeah, this correctly. Yeah. Her parents said that she could go yes. if she saved, and she did. And yeah. then when she had enough yeah. and she wanted to go, they prioritized yeah. her younger brothers. You know, education. Education, yeah. And they made her feel guilty for choosing yeah. her own freedom and mm. her own choice. And it, it's, it was very upsetting to have to witness that. Mm. And I think at the time I was angry with my friends and with my mother as well for allowing so many things to happen in their own lives. And I think I was being very unfair when I was a kid, when I was younger. And I felt like everyone should do what they want to do. And I think as I got older, I realized how gripping the claws of the patriarchy are. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy, especially when you, when, it, when it's about your life, when you're scared for your life, and when you're scared of how bad things could get and when all power is taken away from you. Yeah. It's, very, it's very scary. I, I'm, I definitely feel more empathetic towards the women in the patriarchy living in the strict patriarchy and also the men in some cases. But I also feel like there's still actions and that they should take responsibility for it. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, your, your parents clearly had a marriage 
that was I'm saying clearly sorry <laughs> it, it, I had the impression that your parents had a marriage where they were very much a partnership even though there was also that traditional aspect to it yes um yeah. So when you were younger, your mother was at home and uh, raising you and your younger siblings Mm -hmm. and doing all the housework. Yeah. However, that changed. Your mum went back to school when you were older and she went and she worked, didn't she? Yes, and she still works. And she she still works. And your father completely had the right to to say she couldn't do that. And he didn't. Yeah. So I feel like your parents were a real team and they were also kind of like a tag team with you. Like there were yes. times when your dad would be like, okay, Zeba, you can go to India and get your degree. Yeah. But then Germany scholarship, there was a little bit of um, he was, he, a resistance from him and your mum yeah. was like, Zeba, I've got it. You need yes. to go. You yes. know, so I feel yeah. like they also were kind of, they stepped up when they needed to and convinced the other that this was right for you and it was a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And I also think about how I feel very, it makes me, my heart fill up with warmth for Mm. my parents because I feel like they are part of a culture that is so isolating. Mm. And even in that, they were supporting each other despite all the things that they were hearing from people mm. around them. So they had a lot of pressure mm. around my marriage. So first there was the hair loss, which right. started at around the time, I think I was around 12 when that started. Yeah. And it just kept getting worse. And we mm. saw a lot of doctors. But the hair loss, rather than being something personal that was happening to me, that was happening to my body, because of the culture that I come from, it very quickly became a flaw that's going Mm -hmm. to get in the way of my future within the patriarchy. Uh, It would stop me from finding a husband Mm -hmm. who would, a worthy husband who would love me or uh, my chance to have children. And that was the only part that everyone could see for me. And suddenly with my hair loss, I was drifting away from that part and it was making everyone very nervous Mm. so I feel like my parents were trying very hard to give me all the things that I wanted and needed but sometimes that it that would scare them too much yeah or there were just some issues where like the system was too big or there were too many people involved because yes you know like they needed to kind of protect you but they also knew other people would not be empathetic because I remember thinking about your hair less I was like goodness this is obviously something so upsetting Mm. um to happen to to someone especially um a woman yeah because of you know the the beauty standards Mm -hmm. um and and I noticed that it so quickly became about how to hide your hair loss as a as opposed to how to working with it but the reason for hiding it was because of, you know, kind of like your community or your extended community, your extended family just wouldn't have known how to handle it. And like you say, the direct uh, correlation was, oh my gosh, how are we going to find her a great Mm. husband? So, yeah, I think that's a perfect example of how your mum and dad were trying, but sometimes there were just things that were out of their control Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think growing up, I held that against them a lot. Mm. And that caused a lot of friction between me and my mother as well. And now I'm 28 now. And I think um, 
back to that time when she had me and she was 24 when I was born. God, so young, and I think isn't about, it? Yes, so really, young and so, so young. much pressure and no sense of community, like, for her yeah. to feel like she was raising me as part of a community. There was just a lot of pressure on her to be a good mother. Um, and no one was making her feel good about the things that were going right. Yeah. They were always picking flaws. Sure. And I feel like that made her nervous and that, that was bound to happen. And I think all the things that she faced in life, it's the things that she hasn't shared with me. So this mm. is what I'm imagining. But I feel like that was something she wanted to protect me from. So she kept trying mm. to get me to conform so people wouldn't say the things that she has heard. Yeah. And she wanted to protect me from all that negativity. But I think the hair loss just kind of changed everything i do i do think of the hair, uh, of my hair loss sometimes as something that freed me from the shackles of the patriarchy in a way mm. that nothing else could have because i feel like if i could fit in and if i was get if i was gaining that gratification of fitting in then i would be stuck in the cycle of wanting more of that approval if i had a little bit of it if i had a little taste of what that approval felt like yeah that makes so much sense and because it starts so young and you're a child and all you yeah. want is approval and you want to be loved and you want to be appreciated and I feel like that that glow of your parents approval <laughs> as a child yeah, is you just too hard to resist it, right? yeah yes. you feed off of it absolutely it's what you're living for <laughs> um so your relationship with your mother Mm. I was so deeply invested in this relationship. There was obviously a lot of ups and downs, um, yes. as we've as we've just said. Mm. You know, she, there were times when she was your best ally. Yes. But I feel like throughout most of your childhood and teenage years, you often came from very different angles. You know, yeah. there was obviously the generational thing, and I feel like your mother is one of those noticeably attractive women yes. um a lot of your friends noticed it the way that your yeah. dad spoke about uh, the first <laughs> yeah. time you met her it's so beautiful um i think you know and then obviously you wanting a different life for yourself outside of the traditional spectrum of mm. the community um first of all like i just found it very sensitively and well written thank you i I also got the impression that literature played a part in helping you um, not repair the relationship, maybe like mm. move it forward in the right direction. Is that? Yes, is I that, think that's a fair mm. statement, definitely. With my mother, because she was conventionally beautiful and recognised for it, she saw that a lot of the things that happened in her life like her marriage and all the good things that she mm. loves and she uh, that are very precious to her she found that she got it by conforming so now suddenly here was a daughter mm. who didn't want any of those things or who wanted those things but was not going about it the right way according to her so I think she was worried for me and I can see that when you don't have the options or when you have not seen a life when you have grown up around women who are all following the same path it's very difficult to imagine what could be mm. and I think that's where my mother was coming from she didn't grow up around women who were doing 
many different things. Everyone was getting married. A lot of her friends did that. They were having children. And that was accepted and expected. And that was her life. And I feel like my life was different because I grew up with the internet. So that totally changed things for me. And then there were books and I was really interested in books. And I was able to see all these women different women, women living outside of Saudi Arabia, women living outside of my community, doing so many different things. Just something as simple as reading The Famous Five or The Secret Seven books. That changed things for me in my head about what women can do and Nancy Drew and just women driving and women working and being people other than teachers and other than wives and mothers. And I think that really helped. It gave me an option. It gave me a choice. It gave me reason to pursue a life that I'd, I was not seeing other people in my life pursue, but I knew it was possible. And that happened through books. And I, I'm eterni eternally grateful for that. I think without books in my life, I, wouldn't, I would not have the options that I do because I think it's a lot about unlocking your own potential in your mind, giving yourself permission to imagine and think and dream. Mm. And I feel like a lot of that's taken away from the women in my community because you're just not given a chance to do that. There's no one telling you that you're capable and you're worth it. And I think that makes a huge difference. My parents were doing that to me. They were telling me that I was very special and I can do whatever I want to. And sometimes, of course, their actions were contradictory, which is very interesting for me because I felt like they really loved me, but sometimes they would hurt me. And I was like, why, why do people who love you the most also hurt you the most? And that was such an interesting thing to think about and to be aware of as a child, I think. So that really helped. But also when I left home and I suddenly had access to all these books that were possibly censored or just not something that I would have found in my school library or in bookshops. Books by Sylvia Plath, for example. And just books about motherhood where the narrative was not always joyous there were different kinds of entering motherhood and yeah. leaving motherhood and how people reacted to that and how they felt so I think reading Sylvia Plath's poems for the first time and her experiences of motherhood just changed things for me and I just had a chance to look at mama's experiences or her experience of raising a child like me because mm. I was I was a very mean kid and I used to trouble her a lot I used to be very mean to my siblings I was a liar I would lie and make up stories all the time so I don't think I was making life easy for her and I would I was very aware of the power dynamics as well so as a child I could I just knew that my mother was at the bottom of the pecking order and I would use that against her a lot oh. and it's just I don't know where children get that from I don't know where they where they, how they're able to discern these power dynamics. And I, was, I only remembered it when a friend of mine had um, a baby, a daughter, and I went to see her. I think the last time I saw them, the daughter was three years old. Mm -hmm. And she was um, just starting to speak and like form her own sentences in terms of like ideas and relating and storytelling. And all she did was tell her father about all the things that her mother's been up to all day because they've spent the day together. 
And I found that very interesting. Like that it's kind of a tattling. Yeah. But that's all you know. That's all you know. You you spend or in my community, in my culture, at least you spend your formative years with your mother. So your storytelling becomes part of your mother's life, I think. Or it, it reflects in the way you're forming yourself and your ideas and your thoughts. And I feel like growing up, I just felt an ownership over my mother because of that. And I feel like the patriarchy gets us all men yeah. and women. Mm. And it's very, it teaches us from a very young age when we are kids, we we are part of the system of making sure that the women are controlled absolutely and the children are used against the women and you enjoy that and you are part of that and you feel powerful over your mothers while you're still a child and then you become a teenager and then you become part of that cycle and then suddenly you realize that you have been fighting against the wrong person mm -hmm.